0: This is the Sue Freeze Show, the pursuit of passion, purpose, and connection. We can the world. We can the world. Now, here's Sue Freeze.
2: Hi, guys, Sue Freeze here, and it's another day. Some of you remember because you've heard my show in the last couple of segments, I've talked about going to the Bob Harrisons event. Uh, he has one in. Uh, well, in Hawaii, and then he has one in Palm Desert, you know, each year. And I'm blessed enough to be able to attend them. And when you go to these things, you have like mindedness with other people, business owners, uh, people that just want to learn more, be more, do more in their personal relationships, in their business relationships, to live in abundance, to experience increase, and to learn how to go about doing that. And you're with other people that are um, networking in, in a really nice, warm relationship way. So uh, what they do there is it's like I feel like I'm getting fed like a fire hose of information just and it's only till noon. So it's nice because then you can go enjoy, you know, where you are. You fly somewhere special. You want to be able to enjoy that, too. So you get the benefit of both a little peace and relaxation and meeting wonderful people and creating new relationships and new memories and also getting fed uh, getting educated. It's, it's a wonderful opportunity. If anybody wants more information regarding that, just go to Sufri, SpellLikeFries, one word dot com, and I'll be happy to share that with you. And, uh, you know, maybe you could be my guest. Uh, maybe I can just invite you to come along. And it's great for married couples. So with that big uh, start off, um, I have a guest on with me today. And this person I've met a couple of times. I met first in Hawaii, and she was up on stage, and she was speaking, and she makes it very easy for you to get to know her. She's real. And uh, she just talks about life and talks about her journey and how her journey can help us. I talk about that a lot, don't I? So uh, I'm going to have her on the air, and she's going to talk about... um, some wonderful things that that could help us out. And I asked her what the two goals were for today, and we'll get into that more. So I'm going to introduce her right now. Her name is Tina Konkin, and she's a mother of three, a grandmother of three, lucky girl, founder and director of Relationship Lifeline. Relationship Lifeline. Don't you sometimes feel like you need Lifeline in relationships? I know I do. And a coach to many, including celebrities. For over 32 years, Tina Konkin has been helping heal the brokenhearted through her story of abuse and abandonment tina has touched thousands of lives by demonstrating that your past doesn't have to control your future she is the founder and director of r3 lifeline and facilitates the intensive relationship lifeline and the couples retreat a sought-after motivational speaker and a believer in in living above the line. So, Tina, I just want to give you a warm welcome to the Sue Free Show today.
3: Thank you, Sue. And it's nice talking to you. And I feel like I'm sitting right across from you because we really did sit together for a while at the Increase Events, like you mentioned. And it was a pleasure getting to know you. And now being on your show is a real honor.
2: Well, the honor's all go mine. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And uh, my my heart and my goal is is that, you know, we don't want to go through all these life lessons alone, and, and the devil wants us to be uh, isolated and to be alone. And when you come alongside other people and you realize other people might be going through similar, not exactly, but similar things, and that you find that there's hope uh, in, in in understanding and supporting one another. And so you do that very well. And I felt very comfortable coming up and and, you know, being very vulnerable with you. And, uh, you know, and I think that's a wonderful thing because not everybody has that gift. So thank you for allowing that to me personally.
3: Well, and that comes from years of feeling isolated and feeling like I was the only one, you know, and and in my generation, of course, uh, you kept everything under the carpet, especially things like abandonment or abuse or dysfunction, you know, and so we weren't encouraged to really tell the truth, and that worked out not so well for us, and so we were raised more as not... The truth will set you free, you know, but the truth will harm you. And so it's been a real um, goal of mine for people to really not feel judged and definitely within the church not give shame the um, high power it really has.
2: Yes, and that's a wonderful place to come from especially when you've experienced it personally and how you get freed from that and how it just changes everything when you don't live with the shame and the guilt and the unworthiness thought process that the devil would like us to stay under. So that's yeah. awesome.
3: And especially at this time, I would say even for young people, that shame has grown to
2: such leaps and bounds, and it's really a dangerous place. Absolutely is. So, I, yeah. I've talked to a couple of people. It's hard because I can't see your face and, and I don't know when you're going to speak. So, I'm going to try really hard not to talk over you. I need a <laughs> yes, and I really wish you were right here. Uh, it would be better. And, and next time we will do that, okay? Promise? Promise. Yeah. Yes. I promise. Okay. I promise. So, I talked to a couple people that have actually gone through, you have a seminar and you do personal. Uh, coaching and whatnot, and I've talked to a couple of people that gave uh, a really wonderful testimony to the fact of things that, you know, they can feel so hopeless in relationship or in our own body. We just feel hopeless about the situation, and you can uh, reveal things, or by asking certain questions, can things just kind of unfold?
3: Yeah, I have, um, and I believe it's a God gift, um and a real discernment to go deeper and to see deeper and not just hear what people are actually saying Mm -hmm. but what their real heart is saying or wants to say and sometimes they don't even know how to express it. And I find, especially in relationships, when you lose hope, um, you lose everything. Mm -hmm. When you think, okay, we've tried everything, we've done everything, and then you don't have that safe to stand up anymore and you just think the only, the only thing is out, then that's when it becomes, I believe, quite dangerous for, uh, especially for families and one thing too that I think I want people to know, and and I'm kind of tough on that, is that you might lose hope, but then, especially if you have children you want them to lose that hope because we can only give what we have inside of us. And so, and, and many times it's not that you don't have hope, it's just that you don't know how. You don't know how to fix it. You don't know how to feel different. You don't know if if there really is hope. And so it takes that person, and and I thank God that I am one of those people that has been called to walk, to walk alongside those that, and boldly walk alongside of them, those that, you know, have lost that, that sense of hope, that, you know, they, they think it's wishful thinking, and then they get disappointed. And so if we're able to get into the trenches in those relationships with those people, I have seen such turnaround. I have, you know, because I believe God is bigger, than the infidelity and there was infidelity in my marriage and i believe god can heal that and i believe god can heal anything and everything in relationship because as much as the the scriptures say this you know as much as it is impossible with man all things are possible with god
2: absolutely praise god for that yes so you wrote a book and it's titled how god used the other woman
3: Yes, and you would never imagine that God could actually use the other woman. But just in its title, it really expresses how I believe God will use anything, anything that we've messed up, anything that, you know, we've done that, or that even we've allowed the enemy to do that was intended for evil, and he turns it to good. And that's why the title is very bold, Because um, the other woman was my friend, and she was a very close friend. And so for God to use not only, you know, his healing power, but for him to actually use her to make my marriage the best it ever was after the infidelity occurred, and never imagined it could be that good. So um, never imagined the healing would take that place of, Absolute change and absolute renewal. And, um, and we became friends again. Now, that's not something we advise or suggest, <laughs> but God did it for us. And so, um, He really used her to help me see what in my marriage, you know, had gone wrong. And, um, and not that she was used for my healing, just that particular nightmare. God turned into a dream marriage.
2: That is a wonderful message, isn't it? It's taking a mess and making it a message.
3: Yes, exactly. You yes.
2: Said it. Yes.
3: And, um, you know, th- there's been some controversy in the title because people feel that, you know, I'm blaming myself for the, um, and if you read the book, they can get it on Amazon, by the way, and they can get it on my website and at RelationshipLifeline.org, or get it easy if they're Prime members on on Amazon. But, you know, how God used the other woman has been accused of being a book about a woman, me, um, that takes responsibility for the affair, and um, the only thing I want to say about those people that did leave that comment, at least they were honest enough to say they hadn't read the book, but just the title gave them, you know, that feeling that if that's what my message was, it was so wrong. And that would be so wrong if that was my message. I did not take responsibility for the affair. We cannot take responsibility for anybody's wrongs. You know, we are responsible for our own wrongs. but. There's a chapter in the book that I call Mirror Mirror on the Wall, and um, and it's that near, Mirror moment that I had the morning after I found out about the infidelity that changed everything, that gave room for healing, that brought forgiveness in. Because that morning, as I wept and wept before God and didn't know what was happening to my life, and I was asking all the why questions and how and why did this happen and how could this happen and why her, like how could she do that to me and all that was going on and there'd been an ugly cry going on all night. But that morning, God asked you to stop crying and you should stop being a victim right now. But ask yourself, What part you've played in this mess, you know? And the question wasn't about what part I played in the affair, but what part I played in my role as a wife, my role as a mom, my role as, you know, in the marriage years before, not just that moment of where the sin happened, but instead what drove us up to that moment, and that's what God wanted me to see in order to heal, and I call that my reveal moment, because from there, I was able to then begin the healing process.
2: Maybe there's a book number two, but I'd like to know more about, you know, people listening right now, I'm thinking about people that have gone through this, people that are going through this, people that will go through this. It's an ongoing battle and an ongoing struggle in marriages and relationships of uh, being honest and being truthful and being faithful. And everybody longs for that. Everybody wants that in their relationship. They want to feel secure. They want to feel safe. They don't want to have this betrayal happen to them. So... I, I I hear you and I can picture you crying out and, you know, why? Why me, Lord? And what is going on here and how, what's going to happen now? And how am I going to deal with this? I can just, you know, whew, wow, so many emotions flying out there. And then for the Lord to, to just say, stop it. And, uh, you know, don't be a victim. And let's focus on, you know, what now? What are we going to do now? So I have not read your book. It, it okay. is an intriguing, um, you know, title, uh, you know, and it says saving your marriage after infidelity. Yeah. And there's a lot of forgiveness that has to go on there, but forgiveness for each other and forgiveness for ourselves in, in something like that, yeah. I would imagine.
3: So yes, very much so. Don't take it as God not being sympathetic at that moment. He'd been with me all night crying for sure. But he also knew my heart as God does. And I so badly wanted to heal. I so badly wanted my marriage back. I, I, I was willing to do whatever it took, if that was even a possibility. And I think God knows my heart, and God knows every one of our hearts as individuals. And He knows I'm not your long-term person. I'm not, like, you know, the person that, okay, break it to me slowly. I want to know right now. I want the answer. Is this fixable? Is this fixable? You know, is there hope in this? And and I needed all those answers and yet God knew that I needed to to wake up to the fact that as long as I was gonna look at her and him, there would be no healing. Right? That's a really as good long point. as I was in victim mode, there can be no healing. And for some people, and I'm not saying it's wrong. You you dwell in that place of woe is me for a while, and you don't know how to get out of it, and God gives you grace, and God gives us time, but you cannot begin to heal, honestly cannot begin to heal, until you realize that victims don't heal.
2: That's so good, Tina. Uh, If you're tuning in right now, I just thank you so much for tuning in right now to the Sue Freeze Spelt Like Fries, one word, dot com show. And we have Tina Konkin with us. And she's just a delightful woman who has uh, written a book and gone through what she's talking about right now firsthand. And uh, the book, it says, to read how God transformed the brokenness of an affair into a redeemed marriage and successful marriage coaching program. Konkin's inspiring story teems with help and encouragement, celebrating a marriage that not only survived, but thrives. And I think each one of us who gets married, they want, we want our marriage to thrive. We want, we want to have the most and the best, but we have to be our best for God first. Yes.
3: And Susan, you said it so well. We have to be our best first. Yes. Because the only person that we can change is ourselves. The only person we can be is ourselves. And quite often people wonder you know, when they're in marriages, nobody enters marriage with the intention of being unfaithful, of being cruel, of being depressed, or, you know, you enter into marriage thinking, life will be better together, right? Right. But at least that's what we should hope. Yes. And and yet, you know, with the divorce rate of over 50%, both in the church and in, in the United States and other countries, and in Orange County, by the way, I just want to add a side note, it's at 72% of first marriages.
2: Wow, that's a huge number. Ending
3: in divorce. Tragic. You know, it is tragic, and yet you know something's gone wrong, and it was not the intention when you spent all the money on that day, mm-hmm. and it was not the intention when you had children to one day have to tell them, Daddy's going to move out or Mommy's going to leave, you know? And and so being that it's not the intention, then what is it that really goes wrong? And I think that, for me, was that near moment. At what point did I lose in this game? What did I bring... and the question in the mirror is really, what did you bring to this relationship that drew you so far apart that someone could come into it, you know? And I also want to add, our marriage was not a bad one. It's not like we were fighting every day. And, you know, this, this really blindsided not only me, but him too. And so that's the part, and we were in ministry at the time. He was an elder at the church, and I was the children's pastor, and and we had a ministry of healing families and all of it, and yet it happened to us. And so on the outside, things were really good, even to ourselves. We were not in a bad place, but in that moment, when it happened, and I call it a moment, it wasn't a moment, it was over several months, it was my husband's mom that was dying, and he was just in a really um vulnerable place. And that's why God asked me, what part did I play in it? Because, you see, for that whole year, I couldn't be there for him. And my whole excuse was, I don't do death, hmm. right? I was... I was very—I pushed that away. I didn't do emotional stuff. I didn't nurture—I didn't even nurture my children except when they were babies and when they were very small children. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that I'm not going to give away because that's really shared, but it's so enlightening in the book how God took me—I But call it my— George Bailey moment, you know, that it's a wonderful life. Uh huh. Um, or you can uh-huh. even call it the Scrooge event. Right. Um, where I said, God, if I've played a part in this, if I've, you know, if there, I thought we were good, you know, I thought we were helping people and we were good. But if there's some part I played in this, then show me where in our marriage, you know, I brought, besides the fact that, you know, we all fight, we all have, but how, How was it this big? And he did. He was faithful. He took me back to a time where I made a vow. And I made a vow never to nurture because that had hurt me. So what I really, in our Lifeline seminars, in our Lifeline relationship, Lifeline programs, in our workshops, both for individuals and for couples, I really help you discover it's a very experiential program and it's due to what we experience, I help you discover where in your story there's been wounds that are still not healed. And anything that is not healed will come back in your present-day relationships. And so it's a real discovery of... And that's where hope comes in, because as we begin to reveal... We call it the R3 factor, and we go through it through the three-day program... And uh, the first part is really what God had asked me was, let me help you reveal where in your heart you have hardened it. And because, you know, the Bible in Matthew 19:8 says that divorce, Moses allowed divorce, Jesus said, because of the hardness of the heart. And so we started, that's when God showed me, because are you willing to let me take you to the hardness of your heart? right? And when I saw what that looked like, what I saw, the things that I protected in my heart, like I didn't want to be rejected, so I protected that with hardness of heart. I used my anger, that was another part of hardness of heart, to protect myself. So we all build this hardness of heart that then causes divorce. And divorce really can be Separation between mother and father, between, you know, husband and wife, between children and parents, uh, between friends, it doesn't just relate to marriage there. Hardness of heart separates um, relationships. And so to find where the hardness of the heart came in is very revealing. And, you know, that's the R1 is to reveal, and I really believe you cannot change or heal what you do not reveal.
2: Let's uh, take a break, and then we're going to come back after the break, and we're going to just dive right into the rest of this, okay? It's so good. All right. All right. We Great. will be back with more of the Sue Freeze Show right after this brief break. Here they come, bugs getting out of the cold into the snuggy, warm, hidden places inside your home. Hi, this is Sue Freeze of E. termite pest control, but you can call me the termite lady
1: and Tyson Freeze Manager at Ecola. Bugs love your home. Even if you keep it sparkling clean, they hate the cold outside and love the warmth of your warm home.
2: And they will eventually find your food storage. Yuck! So call us for our free pestament at 877-332-BUGS.
1: New customers get $50 off any initial treatment.
2: Bugs hate that we make our service so effective.
1: We use people and pet friendly methods to kill and repel bugs. And with regular treatments, you'll keep them away throughout the year about face don't let insects and rodents march in call e-cola now 877-332-BUGS that's 877-332-BUGS
2: or online at termitelady.com
1: e-cola powerful termite and pest control
2: as gentle as a butterfly ever put your ear to the wall in your home listening for termites no, it's not that easy to find them. Hi, this is Sue Freeze of Ecola termite and pest control, but you can call me the Termite Lady.
1: And Tyson Freeze, manager at E. cola. Termites are silent, stealth insects. They eat your home quietly, and during the cold weather, they have all the more reason to take up residence in the walls of your warm home.
2: But we know how to find them and eliminate them with our mother-approved people and pet-friendly solutions, like an electric gun and our patented E. heat. As well as traditional methods. Perfect solutions created just for you.
1: E. is the best in alternative and traditional termite control. So call us for a free estimate at 877 332 BUGS. That's 877 332 BUGS.
2: Or online at termitelady.com. E.C.O.L.A.,
1: cola, powerful termite and pest control.
2: As gentle as a butterfly.
1: 877 332 BUGS.
0: You're listening to The Sue Freeze Show, the pursuit of passion, purpose, and connection. And here again is Sue Freeze.
2: So we're back with The Sue Freeze Show. And thank you so much, Ecola Termite and Pest Control, for sponsoring this show. And the book I wrote, Learning to Breathe, it's a book about a journey I had with my son. Uh, he's chronic asthmatic, and he's now 37. He's doing really well. He works with me. He's an inspector at Ecola, and he's doing a fantastic job. Uh, he's like a detective, and he's just he loves what he does, and he's really good at it. So I'm very thankful for him uh, being there and working alongside his mom. And it's very fun. You hear him on the radio. You hear him on the commercials. So it's really fun to, to hear him and for us to do the radio together. He's very shy, you know. So it's, it's really fun to have him on there. So if you'd like a copy of this book, just connect with me. I love to connect with you. And how you do that is you go to Sue Freeze spelt like fries, oneword.com. You go there and there's a little connection thing that pops up on the screen and you just put your name, you put if you have a prayer request or whatever it is you're needing, wanting, and then we will do our best to make that happen. And if you want a copy of the book, then that's where you would tell me and you can pay for it on on PayPal and uh, you can just get it right there. And I, I usually sign those if you go that direction. And I would love for you to get a copy of this book. It's so much more than... Uh, just talking about asthma and my son. Uh, there's scripture at the beginning of every chapter, and uh, it's it's our journey. And there's a lot to it. In fact, I have the young lady that's in my ministry house right now. Uh, she's helping me right now to to just help me. And I asked her if she could uh, read the book and highlight because I'm making it an, an audio book, so you can get it on audio. And so she's highlighting all the different characters, and she said she's in the third chapter, and she's crying. I'm like, crying? What's in the third chapter? What's making you cry? So it's really neat to uh, hear her say, oh, my gosh, this book's so nice. So, so I'd really love it if you'd want a copy of it. And uh, now we're going to get back to my guest, who's Tina Konkin. And uh, she's amazing. And I have to say that she's been featured on radio, television, Gene Simmons, Family Jewels, Real Housewives of Orange County, and The Today Show. Tina Conkin is a resource for many churches, counselors, organizations, and the Dr. Phil Show. So how about that? So, Tina, thank you so much for waiting for a second. And we want to just dive right back in to where we left off. So you'll have to just briefly go over uh, number one R, and then you said there were three.
3: Yes. So um, throughout our weekend, you know, our intensive weekend, is very experiential, and we take people, individuals and couples, through what we call the R3 factor. And uh, that really is a source that even when I'm speaking on a stage or I go into businesses and do programs there for relationships, and no matter where I am, this works. Because it's a three-step, three-step principles of what is it that it takes to heal? What is it that i need to do because i can only change me so changing and healing the first step is the r1 like i expressed and that's the reveal you cannot change susan you cannot change or heal what you're not willing to reveal so i couldn't change what had happened in my marriage that led to infidelity later on without first having that moment of looking in the mirror and saying what did I bring to this marriage that pushed us apart, that threw him into the arms of another woman? Now, I don't take responsibility for that part. I just take responsibility for the parts that we bring into our marriage. And I talked about the hardness of the heart. Well, which causes divorce or separation, infidelity, all of it. And the hardness of heart that I brought in is, and I won't give away too much of the book, the, the how God used the other woman is the title of the book, and they can get it on Amazon, but what I realized when I began, I should say when God began to reveal to me because I was willing to go in with open eyes and open ears, when He started showing me some of the hardness of my heart. The first thing I saw was a vow that I made when I was really, really, really hurt as a young person. And it came from nurturing someone. And after nurturing someone and standing by that person and being there, that person died anyways. And I had all the faith in the world that he would be healed and he wasn't. And But I spent that whole time and it hurt so much And I didn't know, to be honest, that in my heart, I made a vow that I would never love another person like that again. And that's the moment God took me back to. He said, when your husband needed that nurturing because his mom was dying, you weren't there. As a matter of fact, you were so far gone away that he couldn't even find you. Hmm. And it was true. I I already had a tendency to be a workaholic anyway. But when I look back at that particular year when, you know, his mom was dying, I just totally shut down. Totally. Like I was not there emotionally. I wasn't there at all. And as a matter of fact, I remember several times him getting up during the night and saying, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Are are you going to come to bed? Or are you just going to work all night? Right. You know, and so I had to look at that and really see where it came from. And all of us use ways of medicating when we can't handle certain life situations. I could not handle his emotions because I realized it was going to require nurturing. And I also realized that his mother, who I was also very close to, was dying. And so that triggered death again. And there hadn't been an important death. Since that time when I was younger, you know, which at that time wasn't that many year, years earlier. And so that's the reveal. And all of us have some reveal of what's hardened our hearts. And that's playing a part in all of our relationships. And again, I want to repeat, you cannot change or heal what you first don't reveal. And I think it's most understood if I were to give it, you know, the example of an alcoholic. Until they accept and and actually acknowledge that they have a problem with alcohol, they can't change or heal. They'll continue to drink. And the other, the second one, the R2, is to rewrite. I couldn't change the fact that I made that vow. That actually happened. I saw it. I saw different things that had hardened my heart that God was showing me, I couldn't change that. Those were facts. Those were part of my history. But what I could rewrite was how I felt about it. What I could rewrite was the hardness of the heart. And so that part was super important for me. And to be able to understand that the rewriting came through compassion. Sometimes it's compassion for other people. Sometimes it's compassion for myself. And it's also compassion that leads them to forgiveness.
2: Tina, your story about you not being able to forgive somebody, but then you talked about yes. the person that's walking across the street and you don't think about it. You don't even know this person, but you put your life yes. on the line for this person because we have compassion. It's just in us, everyone. Yes, I loved that. And that, that, was, that was really yes. wonderful when you explained that.
3: Yeah, and the reason I explain it that way is because without compassion, you can't forgive. But how do you have compassion on your best friend or a close friend that just had an affair with your husband? You have nothing but anger for that person, sure. disdain, and, and and you know you feel betrayed. How do you have compassion for that person? Sure. How do you have compassion for your husband that's gone outside the marriage when he promised to be faithful? You know, how do you have compassion? For, you know, a rapist? How do you have compassion for a mother or a father that was abusive? And that's when I realized without compassion you cannot forgive. Forgiveness isn't in your head. It's got to slip. The decision is made in your head, but many of us miss how to forgive because we don't slip down to our heart. And the rewrite, which is the part two, the R2, has to forgive. That should never be an option. But how do you get compassion for these people that have deeply hurt you? And that's why I explain compassion really is unmerited, undeserved. And I explain how there could be a little child that you don't know, but here you're standing on a curb with them. And and you look down and this two-year-old runs out. And you're between that bus and the child, and without thinking, you run out, grab the child, and throw him out of the way, not knowing if you're risking your own life, not knowing that if you're going to, but you don't even think about it. So how do you turn that into having compassion for, you know, a friend that's betrayed you? And again, I go back then to the intention. Was it the intention of that friend to betray you? Well, I knew her heart. It was not. And it wasn't my husband's um intention either and sometimes i have to explain to those people that come through our weekends with us is that maybe it's time you see that person as a child crossing the street not knowing really what they're doing and if you're a believer and you're listening to this many people say you know don't make excuses it's not about making excuses what they did was wrong Yes, what they did was wrong, but I don't know, Jesus on the cross made an excuse for all those adults that crucified him, Mm -hmm. because he didn't just say, Father, forgive them. He actually said, for they know not what they do. That sounds like a pretty big excuse to me. Right. And so to go to that compassion that he went to while he was still suffering on the cross, while he was still hurting, I had to forgive while I was still hurting, or else I couldn't even start the saving process of our marriage. Jesus had to ask the Father to forgive before he could even save us. You know, before he even said it is finished, the forgiveness process had to come. And I think the biggest excuse anybody ever gave was Christ, for they know not what they do. So I had to look at the other woman. I had to look at my husband and say, at that moment, where they fell into temptation, they did not know what they were doing. At that moment, when my mom, when I was a child, rejected me, she wasn't rejecting me. I had to see, it was a 16-year-old rejecting time. Rejecting the time of pregnancy, right? She was saying, not now. Not now. She wasn't ready at 16 to have a baby and take on the responsibility of motherhood. Whereas as a child, right up until I was 35 years old, when I finally forgave my mom, I'd always seen her as a mother. Well, what mother rejects her own children? That's how I was looking at it until I saw a 16-year-old. Then I could forgive the 16-year-old, but not the role of mother. I couldn't forgive my husband as a husband, but I could forgive that person that fell because we're all capable of failing and we're all capable of falling, right? But yet he had to be responsible
2: for that, not me. I could just have compassion for that and forgive. Does that make sense? It makes great sense, and uh, you you articulate so well. You're listening to the Sue Free Show right now, and I just want to say thank you to you, San Diegans out there listening to this show, Venturians, Orange Countyans, L.A.ans, if that's a word, uh, and all the way up to Santa Maria, San Luis Obispo, with the uh, internet all over the world. And I just thank you so much for joining in, for connecting with the Sue Free Show. And uh, Tina is on this show right now, and if you want to reach out, you can either go to her website or you can go to mine, com, and I will connect you because I will be happy to do that. It, it's hard because we're not in a studio together and there's a delay, so... Um, I'm just letting her talk, and it's great. My my job's really easy today. It's great. Anyway, uh, with that being said, um, search me and know me, oh, God. If there's any way in me, pluck it out. And that's the mirror, mirror on the wall that you were saying is you can't fix another person. Yes. All you can do is work on you. And you look at the person in the mirror and say, okay. What about me? And what do I need to do to fix? And sometimes we don't know what that is. So we ask God to reveal to us what it is inside us. Uh, You know, it's like peeling back the onion one layer at a time. I went through intense therapy a long, long time ago, and I felt like uh, God gives us. Enough, And he he doesn't give us more than we can handle. So sometimes these things have to come in stages. So even if you have gone through intense therapy and you've made major progress, it doesn't mean you've arrived because we're in this life journey together. And so what this means is no matter where you are in your stage of life, I'm talking to me right now. It doesn't mean we stop working on ourselves. It doesn't mean that the Lord wants to stop working because we are in progress and he's not done with us yet. Isn't that the good news? He's not done with us yet. And that's wonderful. There was another scripture that came to me and it'll come to me again because it was it was really good what you were saying. Oh, I know what I wanted to say is that, you know, each one of us that's listening to what Tina is saying right now, each one of us is somewhere in this. We can see, uh-huh. Yeah, there's something here. Or we can go back into our childhood, and sometimes we need help. Sometimes we can't do this on our own. In fact, for me, I was so thankful that I was in a place where I had somebody that could walk me through this. And we don't do it without the Heavenly Father. The Lord is there, and he wants us to get the healing. He allows these things to happen because it helps us be bigger and better and be more compassionate moving forward. And uh, I, I really believe that, too. So. With that being said, wherever you are in your life, in your life journey, know that, you know, he's not done with us yet. And there's no shame in reaching out and asking for help. So don't feel that you have to put on this mask and act like you've got it all together. I've been down that road and it doesn't work because the Lord wants us to be real. And the more real we are with each other, the more help we can give to other people. Because when you're vulnerable and transparent, it allows other people to be vulnerable and transparent. And it opens up that gateway to where we can help one another even more. So I just uh, encourage each one of us to understand that, you know, there's things. And no matter how good you have it in your marriage, even Tina said they had a good marriage. They They had a wonderful marriage, but they got blindsided. And it's something from way back, way back, way back. So I'm kind of curious about me and and the next peeling of the onion, the next layer that needs to come off for me so that I can even be better for Christ. And I wonder how many of you listening right now are asking that same question. And Psalm 139, search me and know me. And if there's any way that we could be better, any evil way, anything that we need to work on, Lord, reveal it to us so that we can be all you've created us to be. And that's an awesome thing. So what's R3? I can hardly wait. <laughs> well, we went through
3: R1, right, which is to reveal. And the reveal is about yesterday. Uh huh. And then the R2, so that's revealing what's in our past that we bring to our relationships, that we bring to life. Yes. And, uh, and it's about revealing the hardness of the heart and then our two we said was to rewrite through compassion that's about today what can we write today about the story of yesterday don't let that determine your future mm-hmm. and uh, the r3 is renew and that's about tomorrow and really if we look at our lives and we want to renew we wanted a renewed marriage we wanted a marriage that you know, we would take care of the rocks. I call them the rocks, the hardness of heart, you know, and um, that we would take care of them when they were pebbles. In other words, like you said, life is a journey, so it keeps coming. So even in the renewal process, we are not there. We're not, we've not reached, you know, heaven will reach. But here on earth, there's going to be, the enemy that wants to keep dishing out the hardness of heart. And so I imagine them as rocks when they have time to to grow. But once we start the renewal process, they should just be pebbles. They should be like sand in your shoes. You want to get rid of them right away. And so um that's what the renew is. Is it's really about the renewing of the mind. It's about staying on top of it. It's about not letting the hardness of the heart take root. And the reveal and rewrite is really about digging up that root so that, you know, we're not we're not leaving any stone unturned any rock unturned. Let's look under there. And like you said, God doesn't give us more than we can handle. And, and you said a lot there that was so powerful, Susan, even about, you know, it's not over. It is an onion, and it's peeling back layers. And the other thing is, you know, the Bible encourages us to get together. That's why we started Relationship Lifeline, because we realized in a multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. You know, if you're going to get something, get wisdom, and sometimes getting it alone is is not the way to go. you know, And so we have so many things that that can help us today, besides counseling. there's groups and there's church, there's there's you know the increase events like you mentioned, there's areas that if we want to grow, we can grow. But relationship lifeline is really about discovering. The R3, like what's in your past that you're showing up with in life, in your relationship, or at work. I've started to do a lot of work with the corporate world, and it's because if we are troubled at home, we're taking it to our workplace, and that stress is coming to the workplace. Vice versa, if your relationships at work are troubled or are, Toxic, you're taking that home to your family. And so relationships are important in every place of life.
2: There's life balance there. Uh-huh. And, uh, yes. and another thing I want to bring up, uh, Tina, is that I have uh, the I Ams. And the I Ams on my website are three pages of I Ams, of who Jesus says you are. And, and you talked about the renewing. And uh, I talk about being transformed by the renewing of your mind and how do we do that Mm -hmm. And, and everything you're mentioning here as far as doing the work. And men out there, I want to talk to you for a second. Can I just talk to you for a second? And let's just be real. Okay, it's so much easier to go get knowledge when it comes to being better at work. It's so easy to work with the head. But when we have to do the hard work of working on our heart and the heart matters, It seems to be so much more difficult, you know, and God, you know, he gave the women that nurturing heart normally, and um, the woman can deal and talk about her emotions and be comfortable in her emotions and her sensitivities, whereas men are supposed to be tough and hard. And do you know, it's just so, uh, so attractive to have a man that can feel And not cry all the time. Okay, that's a little bit much. But to have a man that can get in touch with his sensitive side and realize he does have a sensitive side and he has a heart, it's really, really attractive. So men out there, do the work in both areas, not just work. Okay, I'm a woman in a business world. And I can tell you, it is so much easier to work on how I can be better in the workplace, how I can be a better boss, and how I can be a better leader in the workplace. Uh, It's a lot harder work. But the impact... And the reward is even stronger when you can work on uh, what you bring to the table from your emotional standpoint. Would you agree, Tina?
3: I totally agree. It's so true. It, it is. It's easy to go to a business seminar, you know, and take notes. But uh, ending up in a place where you're saying, hey, I, I want to be more intimate. I want to connect you know not just not just communicate but actually connect with my family connect with my coworkers and and actually do life together and and social media and all the rest of that has really caused a lot of isolation and it's time that you know not just women but men come back into real life of
2: connecting we're down to the 1 minute line so uh what do you want to tell the people here in your one minute. well,
3: if um, you know, I, I want to mention the book again. Okay. How God used the other woman by Tina Konkin. They can get it on Amazon, and I want to tell you a lot of the principles that I've spoken about today are in that book. And there's exercises in that book also. Ultimately, what I really want to tell you is to go to RelationshipLifeline.org dot org or TinaKonkin.com. dot com. is with the K, um, and come to one of our workshops. Even if you're not a couple, come as individuals. And the book, by the way, isn't just for infidelity, people in infidelity. It really is about the R3.
2: That's awesome. So thank you so much, Tina, for being on the show today. And I look forward to to having you on again. Okay? And we'll do it in person. So be a blessing to someone each and every day. God bless you. Bye.